Glad you could join us for episode 155 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey of pilot previews before we actually make some decisions, settling in for whatever show we decide to do multiple episodes of and I know you don't you don't like commitment. We haven't talked about that in a no, while. No, you know we've we've been in a couple of long-term relationships here. Now we're finally single again and you know I think we should just go and test the waters a little bit before we get you know before we put a ring on it, you yeah, know what I'm saying? And and we're not going to, you know, we'll just tease right now, but we, we do have some ideas that it'll probably be a couple of weeks before we actually say anything uh, about what we're considering down the road wouldn't be till the fall or so but uh, i think uh, you you and i both are kind of liking that idea tonight we're here to discuss the pilot episode of the netflix horror supernatural series hemlock grove now is that fair to call it horror supernatural uh yes that would be very fair Uh, but before we get to that we want to remind you we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. All right. So one thing that, that we will go ahead and announce is that next week, we're going to take a look at a show called the 4,400 that ran from 2004 to 2007. So without going into a lot of detail though, it was created and written by Scott Peters and Renee Echeverria, who we know from Dark Angel. Right. So uh, it, it appears, and I, I, again, don't want to go into a lot of detail now, but apparently 4,400 people that had mysteriously disappeared over the last 60 years suddenly reappear and, and really have no comprehension of where they've been, really where they are. It almost sounds like a, a reverse leftovers. Right. See, my only concern is like, so I started watching like Resurrection, uh-huh. and that that show just went badly wrong pretty quickly. So I get nervous now. You know, what would normally would I would find a intriguing concept after uh, after that. I'm, I'm I'm I get concerned when I hear about people who were missing or dead coming back. Yeah. Now, one one of the actors in, in the 4400 is Joel Gretsch, who some of the listeners may know from the reboot of V. He played the preacher in the show, the starring Marina Baccarin as the alien leader, Anna. Wow, that's that's strike two for the show. <laughs> the reboot of V. Oh, I thought you were saying Marina Baccarin. No, no, Marina Baccarin. Oh, please. Okay. I, I, never. never. Right. Have, you seen, uh, have you seen Deadpool yet, by the way? I have not. I Dude, know. you I need know. to see Deadpool. I know. You might not make it past, like the first 15 minutes, but he, I think you'd like it. Okay. Besides Marina Backers, and she's awesome in it. I will see it at some point, I'm sure. You, you and, gotta see it, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, one of the things that has been discussed on, on various Facebook groups, including ours over the last week or so, you know, is the whole concept of picking up a show and basing your decision to stick with it or not based solely on the pilot. And, you know, we've had a lot of people telling us that, uh, you, you know, you got to give it three, four, five episodes. We had one one poster say, now you got to give it a full season. And, you know, I, I guess in this day and age, that seems pretty tough to do because there's just so much out there. 
True. But, I mean, we've talked about this before, that you certainly can't base the merits of a show on its pilot. You know, you should probably give it more than that. But you are also correct that there's so much out there. And we're experiencing that, right? Like, there's shows I've watched for a couple of seasons that I've, that I've dropped just because it's just it's just too much, you know? And, and so I have to have to cut some of the some of the, the lesser, the shows maybe I'm not so into it. Yeah, and I mean, of the shows that we've done, I mean, obviously we started as Lost Girl, and, and so that almost doesn't count in what I'm going to say, but then when we picked up uh, Birds of Prey, really sight unseen, uh, other than reading the description, and that Rachel Scarston was in it, which is, I guess, truth be told, the reason we initially took it. I mean, we were really sure. lucky. It turned out to be a really good show. Right. Same with Dark Angel. Firefly obviously was a little different because we both had seen it and, and there was going to be no question that, that we were going to like all of those episodes. So it's interesting, but I guess my perspective is that I agree with everything you said, but the pilot, there's got to be something that grabs me. Maybe it's sure. just an actor that I like. Well, and that's the thing, because the pilot is made to to get the show made right sure like you just make the pilot first and then the uh i mean obviously if it's at the pilot stage it's going pretty far along but uh you know that that is the thing that that determines whether the show gets the green light or not so you're right there's you're absolutely there has to be something there yeah that being said though as we talked about charlie jade you know like charlie jade the pilot did not necessarily grab me so much there was some stuff in it that I liked, but for the most part, not so much. But I could see, you know, like I, I said last week, I, that there there are elements in that pilot that would lead to a pretty awesome series. That they were establishing things in there that I think they could really, when developed more, could become like a pretty excellent show. Right. I mean, for me, none of the actors in Charlie Jade really grabbed me. Uh, some of the characters were, were sort of cool, but again, even the the main protagonist of Charlie was certainly somebody that we've seen before, but it was the premise that really grabbed me. The whole parallel universe, the fact that really only the elite know about it, and I've gone on since and watched the second and third episodes, and what I'm seeing now is that they need to pick up the pace a little bit. I mean, I'm going to keep watching but it, again, a lot of these shows have been guilty of just really taking too long to get to the point. I mean, especially, like I said, I mean, like we said, in, in today's day and age, you really got to grab audiences early because and we see like almost every show, like even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Massive amounts of people watch the pilot and then numbers just drop off week after week after that, right? Yeah, Sure. Yeah. Now, the, you know, the two shows that that have really, uh, I guess, grabbed me and, and now I'm really in a state of flux. And one I've already announced that I'm dropping from my schedule for next fall, Arrow and The Flash. And, and the problem I see with them and, and you know, we're, we're beyond the pilot, so I've already digressed into a, another topic here, right. is that their primary villain, it, for my taste, is just around too long. 23 episodes is just too long for me to deal with that same villain, you know? Yeah, but then he's he's finished off at the end of the season, though, you know? Yeah, but unless the villain's really compelling, Damien Dark 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's okay for a while, but after a while, he just got to be annoying. Well, yeah, and I think the the problem with Damien Dark, except for like the few episodes where he quote unquote lost his power, he was just like you didn't feel like he could be beaten, right? Yeah. And then the hokey way he was beaten was completely ridiculous. I know, right? I mean, that was it was ridiculous. That was that was almost stomach churning. That that finale, right? Yeah, it was poor. That was just that was just as bad as bad can get. Right, Graham. We were, we were, you know, it was satisfying to see Damian Dark finally get his, but like the script was clunkier than a tractor from the 1920s it just was like i was like really like like the whole thing with hope it was just like bludgeoning us right oh you've given up hope you need to have hope i'm like enough with the hope already and of course in the end right oh my god i know it was so bad and for me i like Stephen amell and emily bet ricard a lot certainly enough to give the show another chance for next season. But the interesting thing for me with the flash is almost uh, in a reverse reverse flash in a reverse. I mean, it has been playing around with multiple universes, but in the case of the flash, it's almost like it's just getting ridiculous. And in that show, it's gotten to the point where I really don't like anybody in the show other than Cisco and yeah. surprisingly, especially to me, is I've really liked Wally since he's been added to the cast. Uh, yeah, uh, he's okay. But outside of that, uh, they're all like, kind of annoying. I still like Barry. Yeah. But, you know, like the big thing. I, can't, you know, I do we like about Iris. This. I didn't used to like Iris, but I'm, I'm she's growing oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I like Iris a lot. She's Yeah. So I don't agree with you. And obviously, everyone has their own opinion. But for me, I still like the characters uh i thought the uh, i thought the flash finale was really good and you know they end in a big bendy twisty way where you're just you know who knows where that's going to go now right uh now that he's corrected his timeline or whatever or not corrected but saved his mother um what what is that going to mean and the fact that the flash can seemingly just kind of go back in time and there's two of them you know which is crazy, uh, pretty much at will. I mean, it just opens up so many possibilities. I think the big problem with the Flash this season is they made the questionable choice of having him lose his powers, which is all well and good, but then they continued with, like, it must have been four or five episodes, right? Yeah, but I will say, see, now that was something I kind of liked in in that Barry Allen trying to be the hero without his powers, and, you know, there was something compelling about that. Yeah, but the show's called like The Flash, I understand right? Not it. Barry Allen. So if you take away the 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 entity that is the core of the show and why people watch it, you know, especially for so long, right? I mean, like one or two episodes, okay, I'm with you. But as long as they drag that out, I was like, I, I, there's at least one episode. I'm like, really? They're still not getting him his powers back? Seriously? No. You know? Well, we will see. Both shows will be back for another season next fall. I, I'm assuming they'll both come back with 23-episode seasons. And you know, maybe at a later date, we can talk about the whole idea of crossovers because they're talking mega crossovers. In yeah, the now universe. I feel like I have to pick up Supergirl. 
to just stay on top of this, right? Well, yeah, maybe. And, and, and again, that's a show that I enjoy. Uh, you know, to call it a guilty pleasure for me is not quite fair because it, it's just a fun show. You know, I, I watch it while I'm doing something else. My wife likes it. Uh, you know, she's cute as a button. I, I, I like virtually everybody in the show. Callista Flockhart is amazing. But uh, if I didn't watch it for a month, I'd be okay. Right, right. So yeah, well, now that uh, Castle is off the air, my guilty pleasure slot is open actually. So uh, maybe Supergirl could go on in there. Yeah, we'll see. So, but um, you know, I just I have to put this out. I know you don't watch Supernatural, but like Supernatural is still completely killing it. Like they're just rocking after what I don't even know. what was this. The is it twelve? It might be. 12. I think they're going on twelve. I think this is season eleven. They just finished, and man, it's just still so good. You know, it's just I really. And it's because the, the thing is, what I'm seeing with the flat, uh, not the flash, um, arrow is I think they're just kind of hitting these doldrums from being on a victim of their own success. You know, it's been on for what this was season four, three, four, four, you know, which is probably about three more than we thought it was going to get ever. And so now it's just like, what are the conflicts with, you know, like, so like that's where it's going. You almost feel like, you know, Oliver is going to be getting on that jet ski and trying to jump the shark any moment now. So you said it. I was ready to, but you got it out there before I did. So. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, why don't we get to uh, tonight? Yeah, let's actually talk about Hemlock Grove now that we're yeah. 15 minutes in approximately. All right. So uh, interestingly, this is the first show that we've done where one of us has seen it and the other hasn't. So, so Wayne, you've seen all three seasons. Yes. Uh, this is a Netflix-produced show. Uh, we're looking at the pilot episode, Jellyfish in the Sky. This is a series based on Brian McGreevy's 2012 debut novel of the same name, and he wrote, along with Lee Shipman, the script for the pilot, directed by Eli Roth, who directed the first two Hostel movies and that's hostile as in h-o-s-t-e-l like a youth hostel in europe i don't know if you've seen either of them no okay. but I, I like eli roth and um especially his work in inglorious bastards so uh, yeah all right so uh season one had 13 episodes the second and third seasons had 10 each and season one was released April 19th, 2013. And, and again, this is one of the shows where they dropped the entire season all at once. So did you pick this show up when it first came out? Yeah. Okay. Now, did you- mostly because of, well, I think, I, I think they were, um, I remember Rolling Stone was running some pretty cool ads for it in there. So it like piqued my interest. And then I saw that Eli Roth was involved and then that was like, that kind of like settled it for me, you know? Okay. Uh, I mean, I didn't really know anything about it. I think I'd heard, uh, you know, things here and there, but never really, I don't have Netflix and just never really made any kind of an effort to see it. Now, did you binge it when it came out? Oh, to- totally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, probably over like the the length of a week. Okay. I watched it. So it's not like I, I sat up and watched them all that night. Right, um, but of course we're uh, you know we're, we're still at work in April, so it's you, know, you did have to actually get up the next day and exactly and go to work. Well, I could have taken a couple of days off, yeah. You know, like, and people but, uh, do that, yeah. Uh, but not yeah, not this kid now. Yeah, and and then of course, I mean, the the downside of that is that when the season two comes out, it's been so long, and I watched season one in like the span of a week. 
a year ago. You know, and so you're like, wow, what the hell? So you got to go back and almost like watch season one again before season two. And then when season three came out, I had to go back and watch. I didn't watch all of season two again. I probably watched the the last two episodes of season two before I started season three. You start watching, you're just like, I can't really remember what was going on season two, you know? And, you know, I think that's a byproduct of of binging. And, and I mean, certainly as podcasters, it, it presents a, a unique set of problems that if you're going to podcast about a show like this, I mean, what do you do? You almost really do need to take a week in between each episode, you know? Yeah. And, and well, sure. Yeah. If you're going to, yeah, exactly. How do you podcast Hemlock Grove, you know, without, do you just go, do you binge it too? Knowing that much of your audience will have done so, so you can talk about the whole thing at once or do you go at it one episode at a time, one week at a time? Yeah. Well, and I think the problem is, you know, for podcasts that, that get a lot of listener feedback, you know, it, it doesn't give the, the listeners a chance to submit things. And again, depending on how deep the show is, I mean, you take a show like lost, I mean, you could really never binge lost, even though I know tons of people did it after the fact, but I needed that week to rewatch and, and think and talk and, yeah. I could have never gotten everything out of it if I'd binged it. Yeah, I mean, I watched Lost probably in like a month, month and a half. Oh, I remember. Yeah, man, I was exhausted yeah. at the end of it. You know, but uh, but otherwise, how long does it take you to watch Lost, though? You know, I know, I know. So, all right, well, let's run through some of the characters in here, and you know, feel all free right, to jump in with with any of them. We've got a tale basically in the pilot of two families. Yes, and. I'll say right off the bat, I, I I didn't realize, but I've seen this before. It's called Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, who, I didn't really see Twin. Who Peaks, killed so. Laura Palmer? Right. Yes. Yes. So at the big season one mystery. Yeah. Right? So on the one hand, this is a familiar narrative, but you know, obviously it's the pilot, and uh, so we'll see. All right. So one family, the rom- Romantics. The Romantics. Peter, yeah, the fun family, who's played by Landon Laborion, uh-huh. and his mother. Lily, Linda, Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor, who is really the only actor that I really recognize. What? Well, oh, I'm sorry. Dude. Other than other than the sheriff. Yeah, and Dugray Scott. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you're who right. Was, uh, Norman. Yes. So he and plays Doctor Famke Jansen. You know, uh, but you never you haven't seen the X Men movies though. Well, I have, but she All just right. looks. Ve- Dude, Famke Jansen is. Who is she? Phoenix, man. Uh, She's Jean Grey. You know, I kind of binged all those X-Men movies, oh, so I probably... All right, dude, well, anyway. You are killing me. <laughs> so we got the Romantic family and the Godfrey family. Roman Godfrey, played by yeah, Bill Skarsgård. He's uh, it's Stellan Skarsgård's uh, kid. Is it? Okay. Yeah, he's Stellan Skarsgård, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Olivia Godfrey plays Roman's mother. You mentioned Dr. Norman Godfrey. No, Olivia Godfrey is, Godfrey is his mother. She's played by Famke Jansen, who you ludicrously don't know yeah <laughs> aletha godfrey roman's cousin uh i mentioned the sheriff who's played by aaron douglas who we all know as chief tyrell from battlestar yep. galactica chief and then shelly godfrey who is roman's sister all right so i, I guess who who like, well there's like three different actors play shelly really like she does like the face stuff but like when she's walking She's played by a dude, actually. Okay. Well, that does not surprise and, me. And then there was like a third guy, uh, not a guy, I think it was a girl, but there was a third actor or actress who played 
uh, Shelly as well. Okay. I love Shelly. Shelly's, Shelly becomes probably my favorite character. All right. Well, uh, one of my first impressions is that, okay, this show is just being weird for the sake of being weird. No, although, it's not. Although I will say though, the Gothic elements were really cool. And, and I liked it. It was almost like they filmed it with this, this filter over it where the colors were just almost completely desaturated, which gave it a really unique look that I definitely liked. Yeah, definitely has that, that dark look and that's kind of all through it. But, but you know, you, now you say dark and I, I agree, but certainly not dark, like right. dark angel. Right. Where, right. you know, and I've mentioned before when I try to find a photo to post in the blog post each week, it, it just, I ended up having to lighten them in Photoshop so you could really even uh-huh. see, you know, the, the characters. So, so it's not like that, but it, it just really does go well with this horror supernatural feel. Now, all right, one thing that also jumped out at me and I'm not going to fault the show because virtually every show, every movie ever can somebody please present a realistic view of what actually goes on in a high school yeah right yeah like the kids like smoking right outside of it and everything well it just everything i i yeah. don't know the the well uh, what was the classroom scene with like oh gosh i can't even remember yeah. but but you're yeah you're right it's it's almost every single time like they they show it's it's like you know the teacher in front the kids all in perfect rows and you know everyone's quiet and raising their hands except for the one kid in the leather jacket in the back who's goofing around and rolling a joint or something which is the other thing because this was the first day of school and it's in pennsylvania well pennsylvania is just like a few degrees above where we are in maryland and you know at the beginning of september it's pretty warm out and you mentioned leather jacket it's like okay they were dressed like it was October, but uh, yes. I can overlook that. Good uh, point. I, 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 kind of, I didn't even think about that detail, but yeah, that's a good point. All right. Now, there seem to be a lot of incestual overtones. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, and again, you and I talked earlier about the fact that you've seen them all, and I haven't, and, and you don't want to spoil. So, you know, I'll just leave it up to you about, you know, how much you spoil. So, so you, by your reaction, this kind of continues, and I, I picked up correctly. Yes, yeah. All right. Especially in, in season one. Okay. There's, there's a lot of that stuff. Okay, and, and certainly a lot of what I saw in the pilot was between Roman and his mother, Fanny yeah. Jansen. Well, okay, so, all right, so that, that, that keeps up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and, and I thought at first, in, in fact, when we first see uh, the Romantics moving into the trailer, at first I thought this was a couple, you know, and again, not that the there's like a hazy filter over the camera lens. Cause that's not really accurate either, but it, it, it took until we started seeing some closer uh, shots that I could see that, okay. Um, he does look a little bit younger, but still not that much younger, but they establish early on that, that it's mother and son. And there doesn't really seem to be anything sexual between them, no, but clearly no. there's something weird going on. Yes. Not necessarily between them, right. but you know. Well, they're just because they're. I mean, they the, they 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 establish here that they're they're Roma, and so that they're you know different, and you see them getting hassled by the authorities almost right away after moving in, and you know like they're kind of carefree attitude like about stealing, where 
you know, he comes home with the leather jacket and, and, you know, mom has the little gun just sitting in the cabinet there to take off the security device. Um, and then while he's at it, he said, oh, here's a necklace for you too, you know? So things like that. I mean, they live outside on the fringes of society. The romantics have this really tight bond between them, all of them. And they, you know, family is so important to them. And so you see that like right away. Peter and his mom have a, a really, really close relationship and not like a weird one like, you know, Roman and Olivia, but, uh, you know, kind of a young mother who, you know, someone who had a kid when she was pretty young. So she's not that much older than her kid. And so while being a parent, also kind of like a friend as well. Yeah. And and clearly, you know, we, we learn that they're gypsies and that there is all kinds of gypsy hate going on in Hemlock Grove. Sure. And it does seem pretty clear. I believe the acceptable term is Roma, though, Dave. Okay, Roma, R-O-M-A. Yeah. Okay, but he must be a werewolf. I mean, I mean, they they drop enough hints there. Well, I mean, Christina straight up tells him, asks him if he's a werewolf. Right? Yeah, well, we'll get to her in a second. She was one of my favorite characters in, in the episode for sure. What is Roman's sister? I mean, is that something that, that we have to wait a long time, I mean, to, to find out? Is she, and because we do get to see her in this pilot episode, so is this a birth defect? Did something happen to her? Is that like something you don't want to bring uh, up now because it's too big a spoiler? Um, with Shelly, um, well, okay, so so Peter says that Roman's an umpire, uh, he'd just might not even know it yet. So, and 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 we know that Olivia killed Jr. as well, like you know, obviously viciously and violently. So they are obviously some kind of supernatural creatures, for sure. Well, wait a minute, uh, Jr. doesn't kill himself. Yeah, he's see, he's got that right because they fire the gun, right? Right, and we at first think he's going to kill his daughter, who who is right. Uh, you know, a baby at this point, and then we think he's going to kill his wife, and she's like, "Yeah, go ahead and try." I, th- I think he says, "What are you?" And she says, "Well, why don't you pull the trigger and find out?" Right. So clearly, she's something. Now, you, you know, I had to look up. Uh, you know, it's spelled U P I R. They they, yes. they pronounce it almost like there's an M in there, umpire. But a vampire-like species found in the Ukraine, natural enemies, surprise, of werewolves. <laughs> Right. All right. So obviously they're setting that up, which, you know, and I will say the first time I watched it, I'm like, all right, it's okay. Wayne gave my show a C plus last time. I'm giving this one a C plus. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But um, I'm I'm thinking C plus. And then I watched it again and and I liked the, you know, significantly better. Uh, I won't give my grade yet, but, but it certainly improved. You know, I did like that. I, you know, I like the way they're dropping those little, you know, he, you know, I think he's this and he doesn't even know it, which, all right, that's kind of a cool, cool concept. So, all right. Now it takes place in Pennsylvania in a steel town. And apparently the Godfrey's own this steel company, correct? Well, it's a, it's like a. Yeah, I don't know if it's this. Well, like it's. Called, I think. Well, I think it, it used to be a steel company, and but now it's like a kind of like research development company. Okay, because that's my question. What the hell's going on in that research facility? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, not that. Oh, I'm, dude, if you would only. 
Okay. Not the, the, the stuff that's going on in there. All right. Cause not that I'm Ooh. a steel company expert by any stretch. You know, obviously what kind of connection there is between the Godfrey's and the romantics. Obviously this is an older town. So the romantics have just come back. They're living in the trailer that belonged to, I believe it. He said it's his uncle. Yeah. His uncle who Victor, died. Victor. Right. Yeah. Right. So we, I'm not sure if we know whether that's Lily Taylor's brother or I guess it's brother. But anyway, opening scene, we see just briefly Romans in an ice cream shop. I mean, is there any significance to that? I mean, nothing else comes out in the episode that I could see. I I don't think so. All right. So just maybe set this character in a mundane atmosphere. I mean, what's what's more innocent than an ice cream shop? Right, right. And they're just... You know, establishing him as this child of um, of wealth, and you know, someone who basically can you know get whatever he wants. Um, so, if a girl, he just have go have sex with a girl out in the parking lot of the uh, ice cream store, right? Yeah, yep. So, we're introduced to Brooke Bluebell, cheerleader, working with little cheerleader girls, hooking up with her astronomy professor. Yep, but. We learn about the dangers of texting because she's not paying attention and gets hit by something. Yeah. Forces her out of her car. And next thing you know, she's on the run. And Well, it didn't force her out of her car. She got out of the car and started running, which is like, you know, again, questionable strategy when you're in a, uh, in a horror gothic supernatural TV show. Okay. And, and we get all the standard horror camera shots, you know, her mm-hmm. running toward the camera. Then some of the shots were behind her handheld shots, counterpointed with tripod shots that give, you know, give us a really frantic feel so that like on the one hand, it's, it's almost kind of absurd. And like you said, you know, a, another bad decision in a horror movie. And then she hides in this child's playhouse again. The the height of innocence, which is I assume why they chose that. But then you know the next day when they go to the murder scene, you see this big soccer goal right without a net, right. of course. Well, what the hell is a child's playhouse doing in the middle of a yeah. soccer field? I don't know. All right. So, <laughs> uh, on the one hand, you know when I first put my notes together. I've got, all right, the A story uh, must be the murder of Brooke Bluebell. Who, what killed her? Not who. But, right. But, or who, you know, or, know. or who. Right. Because she got, she was like savage, right? So the, the finger obviously initially is going to point to our suspected werewolves in the romantics. Exactly. And on the one hand, when he is talking about it, it, it it seems clear that yeah he's innocent he didn't have anything to do with it but then you start thinking well okay maybe this isn't the only werewolf family in Hemlock Grove right well we know we got Umpir family we got maybe a werewolf family who knows what else is out there so that's really though all we see i mean we we see a few questions here and there but it really doesn't become the focal point of the episode the Roma slash werewolf arrival in town is certainly one of the main stories. And and as we said, they move into the relatives trailer. One of the first things she does is goes into, you know, one of the little cabinets or something. And she pulls out this little case that's got these vials in it. Yeah. What 
Is that again? Is that something? I can't even really remember what that. Okay, stuff I mean, is. it I'm, looks like drugs, right? It does look like drugs, but I'm guessing it's something above and beyond normal street drugs. Well, we see um, Olivia. Was she? Was it like the same vial that she was putting in her eye later? Yeah, you know, I think so, but I'm not positive of that. Yeah, it certainly uh, harkened back to it, if, if nothing else. Okay, now. We see Peter meeting the teenage daughter of the next door neighbor, and and this is uh, very Nick Carraway ish because they live in the trailer, and maybe it's not fair to say a stone's throw, but right, they, yeah. he he can see the other half. Joe, right? Joe Flacco could backyard. probably hit the house in two throws, right? All right maybe not, but uh, <laughs> but she comes down and sees him. Actually, you know, he's sleeping in the hammock, and and I think he's dreaming some things and i wasn't exactly sure what that was supposed to be it's probably significant but well there's a snake eating its own tail right and, which is also an image it's in like the opening credits as well okay she fancies herself a novelist and tells him that he makes for fascinating material and that's why she's there and then like you know you you alluded to a, a few minutes ago are you a werewolf because your index finger and middle finger are the same length. And I love, he got in, I, I wish I'd have written down the exact line that he said, but he, he it, it seemed to me that it was a, a dig at the Twilight franchise. Yes. Okay. And I knew you liked that. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I like the dig. Not exactly. The <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he recognizes that Roman is up here, but says Roman doesn't realize it. So now again, is that, I mean, we haven't seen anything out of Roman that would indicate any supernatural awareness, any supernatural powers. The only thing we see out of him is that he's a spoiled rich kid and kind of a dick. Right. Well, and when he's having sex with that girl, he slices his own, well, you know, he pulls out like a, it's like a razor blade, right? Yeah. Like a straight razor, and we're like, "What the hell?" He's gonna he cut her think throat he's or something. Hurt the girl, right? But he cuts his own thumb, and then he like wipes it on her and everything. So this uh, kind of being into blood thing is yeah, they kind of established that fairly early. Is it bad that I thought that was kind of hot? <laughs> um, maybe Dave. <laughs> All right, Peter asks his mother if an umpair could have killed the girl which to me seems to rule him out unless it's one of these things that he doesn't realize what he's doing when he shifts which then started you know making me think of for instance like true blood did you watch true blood no i didn't okay um i'm surprised because that's on hbo but but anyway well i know but like i, I heard you can't watch that anything. it was like good at first and then it, it wasn't yeah. Well, I only watched the first two seasons. Okay. But it seems to me, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but but the guy that would shift into the wolf it, it didn't really remember. And maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm wondering if it's one of these kind of deals with, with him. So, I, I, I mean, so yeah, Peter is aware. I'm just going to throw that out there because I just need to say that later on when they show him turning into a wolf – it is freaking brutal, man. Okay. It is so disturbing. It's almost hard to put in the words. Wow. Now, I mean, compared to say like being human. 
he actually crawls like the wolf like crawls out of the human skin oh yeah um so it like like comes out of like the mouth and stuff and then it turns around and eats the uh the remains oh i guess because being human we really only see or, or we certainly well, you just see them shift like they shift they turn from one thing into another but this like it's like really bloody and like the wolf comes out of the person's mouth and it's just like uh it's it's insane it's but you can't like turn away yeah. <laughs> you know right. now like you have to watch it but it's your 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 stomach is turning because it's so disgusting but yet okay well well he lies to his mother about not knowing the dead girl which then makes me think all right well did he do it and not know that he did it did he do it and is trying to cover up so so again you know these are these are certainly good points that that you know are, are, are you talking about roman or peter i'm talking about roman you're Roman. Okay. I was talking about Peter shifting, not Roman. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you said that. You said that. Okay. Now, you know, the other story is it centers around the Godfreys and maybe even more about them than the Romantics. And, and you know, we get that whole earlier this summer and we see that Roman's mother rents out an entire amusement park, Pennsylvania. <laughs> what a great name. To yeah. celebrate the end of summer vacation. Jeez, I mean, I feel like I'm watching the Kardashians here. Wait, yeah, yeah. did I just say, which would imply I, that I've watched the yeah, right, Anyway. I, I was going to let it slide. But. So he takes his cousin, and you know, I mentioned again, there seems to be a lot of incestual overtones. Mm-hmm. Now, nothing really comes out in this scene other than that they're close. And, and I mean, look, I guess I can certainly see a, a you know, two teenagers of uh you know different gender being really close but i don't know there's just something that seemed a little weird about it well know? even you know norman is not really comfortable with it right yeah yeah because he tells letha that he's or not, i'm not letha he ta- tells olivia that he doesn't necessarily think it's a great idea that they are so close and like bordering on on some kind of actual intimacy right yeah you know, the fact that it's just the two of them, I guess there's a few ride operators there that you'll see standing around in the background. And, you know, the whole him winning the big stuffed animal for her, yeah, is a little little too right. close because it's, I, we get the impression they're first cousins. They are first cousins. Yeah, I'm saying, not you know, okay, it's one thing if they're like third cousins removed or something like that, but. Yeah. All right, so then we flash back to 13 years ago. And J.R. Godfrey's talking to his brother Norman. It's a driving rainstorm outside a building that he owns. And that was a pretty cool scene as well. You know, on the one hand, it looked kind of fake, the storm. But on the other hand, it, it, it did have that horror, gothic feel to it. Sure, I'm like, yeah, big time, yeah, right? It's like, okay, that, that's cool. And then he alludes to the fact that he knows his wife is evil, and the evil's what caused his daughter to be as she is. Oh, and by the way, I know you're having sex with my wife. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just to top off that awkward conversation. Yeah. So, all right. Anytime you tell another man, and in this case his brother, that I, I know you're sleeping with my wife, and then the next scene we see him with a gun. Yeah, yeah, that's nothing good is happening here. No, and it's he he I don't know that he uses the word abomination 
I think he did use that word. Oh, he might have even said abortion. Yeah, um, of his baby daughter. And again, we start piecing things together. It's like, oh, okay, that's, you know, the girl that, you know, I don't know, what is she, six foot three, six foot yeah, four? She's big. Yeah, she's big. And, and you know, we've, we see her later, you know, where she takes the wig off and the missing eye. And you know who she will later become romantically involved with? Is the guy who played Sketchy on Dark Angel. Really? Yeah. All right. In season three. Sketch, yeah, Sketch finally gets the girl. Yeah, he gets the girl. All right. Well, we think he's going to kill his baby daughter, which obviously is horrifying enough. Yeah. But then he goes to his wife, and, and I love the- Well, he goes to uh, Roman first. Oh, right, right, right. Right. But then when he gets to his wife, what are you? And then that line, you know, pull the trigger and find out. Well, I like when he walks in with a gun. She's like, really, JR? Not again. You're like, again? Yeah. This is not the first time he's walked, come up to you with a gun? Well, and I'm guessing it it may not be the first time. Well, well, it, it, you know, he may have pulled the trigger before, which, well, probably not, because why would she say pull the trigger and find out? Because right. if he had, he'd have already found out. But, but he says, I'm sorry, she says about Roman... He was born with the call, he'll always be mine. And, and yeah. I, I mean, is, again, is that something worth explaining relative to the pilot? I mean, what what's I just, the call? I, I just think, well, a call is like a like a, a coding over a baby, right? Oh, okay. Um, oh, C-A-W-L. It, I think it's C-A-U-L maybe. Oh, oh, okay. But yeah, either way, it's like a... Um, but it's, it's always kind of indicated that the child is special in some way, right? And it kind of reinforces what, you know, Peter says is that, you know, he's a new peer, but doesn't, he might not even know it. And here we see there's something special about his birth and that you know, that he is, that apparently his mother is this thing, this supernatural creature that he is as, is as well. Okay. And, and I mean, look, for all his faults, and we see him in that one scene where he's taking a bath, he's got his little tray there with uh, weed, and, and yeah. I don't know if he's got Coke or something, he's going to snort off a mirror. But for all his faults, he does seem to take care of his sister. Yep, which he, he's, that, that, will, that does not change ever, that he is always very protective of Shelley. Yeah, which I find fascinating. We see the scene Norman calls his daughter Letha at school just to tell her he loves her. And, and I'm thinking like, well, okay, that seems kind of weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> almost, you know, foreboding that he thinks something's going to happen. So I, I don't know if that's it. I mean, uh, I, again, I mean, you, you know, we've, we taught high school for a long time. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, of course, you know, who knows, who knows what these parents <laughs> are texting to their children. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I guess it's possible. And then Norman takes the sheriff to Godfrey Steele to talk to the lead scientist. Boy, was he, uh, uh, well, he, he just fit right in, I got to say. Yeah, Dr. Price is, he is a great character. Right. And, and that's where I was thrown off a little bit because, all right, I thought this was a steel company. They're going to him because he's an expert on, you know, animal behavior. I'm like, yeah. Okay. And, and, yeah. and Norman seems reluctant to you know do the introduction you know i guess the sheriff didn't want to just go in there cold and talk to the scientists i'm not sure why and he says well you know what he did 
No, none of us do. And I'm thinking like, all right, what did the doctor do? I'm sure you know, but. Uh, honestly, I, I, I can't really remember so much. Okay. I just know that Dr. Price is like a great character through all three seasons. And he goes through like a, like a major journey, really, uh, his character does. But uh, yeah, I mean, like there's definitely Norman and, and Price are not, uh, they're not, uh, they're not bosom buddies. Here. Well, I mean, amazing. Price looks at the photographs from the crime scene and, and look, I mean, we know her entrails were, and he's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, right. Uh, I can tell you one thing. It was an apex predator. <laughs> okay. That, that narrows it down. I think he says it, it was not something that walks on two legs. We get to the closing scene and the school's having its memorial service for uh, Brooke Bluebell. Peter goes to the crime scene and just seems to be staring when Roman walks up and asks him what it felt like killing that girl. And, yeah. you know, we've been waiting for this you know, confrontation for 45 minutes at this point, And we finally get it. And, you know, don't, don't answer me, but I, I'm guessing neither of them did it. Right. Okay. Well, okay. I guess I just answered your question. <laughs> no, I wasn't listening. So, but yeah, so we get to this point. I'm like, okay. And, and really the second time, I guess I, I had a better feel for what the show was really trying to do and you know, enjoyed it a lot more. So from that, from what you've seen so far, would you suspect that Peter and Roman became friends or became enemies? Well, I, I would think they became enemies, but uh, a nice twist would have them working together against what the true evil in the town is. Exactly. Ah, nice. Which is uh, his mother. Right. Well, it, it, that that's true, but that's not necessarily the true evil in season one. But it's it's not necessarily the thing that that killed Brooke, uh, Bluebell. You know. So all in all, I mean, I give it a a B minus, maybe a B. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm not sure I will we'll keep going, but you know, never say never. I like the fact that the seasons are short and manageable. I mean, yeah. the whole series is only 33 episodes, so um, and and they're. Really, I mean, it's it's just they're really really good. I mean, it's just like there, there's no throwaway episode. Now, you know? now is Sketch in season one? He's in season three. Oh, season three. Okay. Yeah, and uh, normal. We see him. Uh, was it? Uh, oh, what's that actor's name? Oh, uh, be- J.C. McKenzie. Yes, he uh, he shows up in season two. Oh, okay. Well, and Charles. We've talked about this before because Charles uh, Eagley is like involved with it as well. I don't know if he was early on here, but he becomes involved with it. Uh, definitely season three was like a producer uh, for for that season. Yeah. And so you, there's all kinds of Dark Angel uh, alum in here. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. Well, it is cool. Anything uh, you want to add to it? No. I just uh I can't recommend Hemlock Grove enough. It was it's uh you know, like as far as the pilot goes, I mean it's hard. obviously I'm totally biased in my assessment. Though I know the pilot was not necessarily indicative of of the rest of the show. You know, like it like once it like kicks in, there's just something going on all the time. So but I'll give the pilot an A minus. Sounds good. So Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. 
We'd love to hear from you with follow-ups about Dark Angel, Charlie Jade, Hemlock Grove. Anything else you think we should be watching? As Wayne said, if not last week, it might have been the week before. We're, we're certainly open to suggestions. like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. As I said, we'll be back next week to take a look at the pilot episode of the 4400. But until then... Yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, look at like some of the comments online and everything. I just, I don't know if this bothered you when you saw it, Dave, but, you know, like, I did sometimes I run off in the mouth, and but the one person said that no one was accusing you of having any control over him. I thought that was a little bit much. <laughs>